Ladies and gentlemen, you should forgive me a little bit if I sound a little bit under the weather. I got my second vaccine yesterday, and boy, it's funny as I actually thought, I thought I was cruising. I thought I was cruising through the night. I said, well, five hours went by, six, seven, eight. I said, well, maybe, maybe I won't be too bad. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll be lucky. I'll be one of the lucky ones, right? Won't have any side effects. All of a sudden, the night came chills, muscle aches, fatigue, mild fever, all that fun shit. This is day two of the COVID vaccine. I just feel tired. Um, most of the other symptoms have subsided. Uh, like I said, if, it, if this is what it takes to get back to, to, to normal life, then so be it. So if my voice sounds a little bit type of way, I'm usually high energy and I will keep this high energy because that's what I do. Uh, but I do feel a little bit run down. So excuse me if there's any type of dry moments here. But we got a couple of topics to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have some wrestling to talk about. We got Asuka who leaked SummerSlam's location to be Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, there was no rumor or there, no rumor. There's no confirmation that SummerSlam, unless this had changed, is going to be at Allegiant Stadium. Um, I may have to actually look that up because now I'm going to look like an asshole. Um, let me just double check here. I'm going to double check that. Mm. Okay, so now is all set to take place at Allegiant Stadium. All right, Bleacher Report to be held at Raider Stadium. Uh, this news was actually leaked. I don't know who gets the con- Well, Asuka gets the confirmation. Everyone knows who Asuka is. Um, Asuka gets the confirmation of where SummerSlam was going to be leaked at, and it's going to be one of the first shows with fans, major shows, and obviously you have it at the Raiders' new stadium in Las Vegas. That is Allegiant Stadium. Um and, you know, Asuka leaked the SummerSlam location, and a lot of people are going to tell you the same thing that I did. Uh, there's no way that Asuka is getting, and everyone says, oh, well, she leaked it, or she shouldn't have done it, or was that supposed to happen? Uh, WWE keeps a close tabs on a lot of their wrestlers' social media, uh, especially current wrestlers, um, because that's just how Vince McMahon is, and that's how WWE's always been, at least recently. So if Asuka had leaked out the SummerSlam location, and it was something that was not supposed to be, it would have been taken down already. Um, I don't know if she was instructed to, she probably was, uh, but it was instructed, uh, it was a Twitter message with a flushed emoji in Allegiant Stadium, uh, meaning that obviously it's something to do with wrestling, and you're not going to have a regular Raw or SmackDown at Allegiant Stadium, and again, like I said, I want to apologize in advance, folks, my podcast is usually high energy, I'm a little bit slow today, um, but usually when you have a wrestler leak something like that, it is permission. Allegiant Stadium, Oscar tweets, Allegiant Stadium. Where else, what else would that be? That's SummerSlam. They want to do SummerSlam at a big venue. Uh, WWE has done WrestleMania for the last 15 years. They've done them at uh, stadiums, baseball stadiums, football stadiums, because they can, because it's the Super Bowl of wrestling, uh, and it, their opportunity to sell anywhere from 65,000 to 90,000 tickets, uh, with their biggest one being, I believe, uh, WrestleMania 32 in Dallas was somewhere around 90,000. That could be a little bit, uh, what's the word for it? That could be a little bit, uh, pushed a little bit. Um, exactly. If, if you want my honest opinion on that, I think that was exaggerated a little bit, but Oscar leads the location of SummerSlam. And then we have some rumored matches for SummerSlam. 
we get to our next topic. The rumored SummerSlam main event, or a, a early rumor, is Roman Reigns defending his Universal title against John Cena. Now, let me tell you how this goes right, and let me tell you how this goes wrong. If we get a version, obviously he's toward the, you know, John Cena's not a full-time performer anymore. He spends his days in Hollywood and doing whatever John Cena does. If John Cena was to come to SummerSlam, and that, that again, there's no debate there. Regardless of what people think about of, of John Cena in, in current day and form in a wrestling ring, uh, John Cena, Roman Reigns is your main event. Unsung, undebatable, not Another rumored match, which I think has been rumored since the beginning of the year, uh, Bobby Lashley and, and Brock Lesnar, for what, brought, assuming Bobby Lashley is potentially still holding the world title at the time, which I'm assuming will be the case because I don't really see him losing it soon, um, I would think Lesnar would be the one to take it off of him at SummerSlam because then that, that in theory, is a dream match that a lot of people have wanted to see, uh, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of that, but I'm I'm not against it because that sells itself. Um, But that wouldn't be the main event. It'd be John Cena and Roman Reigns. Now, John Cena and Roman Reigns do have some history together. They have a match at No Mercy about four years ago, and the match was anything. The match was average. It was average. You know, once we got past 2016, John Cena started to transition into the I want to hand out wins. I want to help put guys over. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because a lot of wrestlers uh, do that once they get to a later stage of their career. Uh, the wrestlers start to put other guys over. Again, triple ex, uh, example, Triple H, uh, Undertaker occasionally, Brock Lesnar, if he likes you. If Brock Lesnar likes you, he'll put you over and he'll sell for you. Um, certain guys, you know, can still are still dominant. You know, Brock Lesnar can still come in and be dominant. Uh, John Cena, John Cena's been different. Uh, the last couple of years of John Cena in WWE, I think, has been nauseating. Um, he's just so happy-go-lucky and just corny and just – he doesn't take it serious. I think that – and it's not its not me saying John Cena doesn't take it serious, but when you look at John Cena in the last two, three years in his WWE appearances, he just seems very, I'm grateful to be here, let's have fun, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he comes off as just goofy and he just it's, – it's a joke. Here's an example. If you put John Cena and you put John Cena in his prime against Roman Reigns on his current run, that is one of the could be one of the most hyped feuds in wrestling history ever. John Cena 2006 2007 again, different time period. But you take that John Cena, put it against this Roman Reigns, I might buy a ticket. I might fly out to Las Vegas just to see that. Regardless of what it is, uh, there is hype to it because it's John Cena and Roman Reigns. John Cena in any match, after he's unofficially retired, you have hype there alone. But now you're putting the equation of Roman Reigns, who's been on, is the hottest wrestler in the world right now. He's on this monstrous run. He's this fantastic heel. And now you have him going against John Cena. But is it happy-go-lucky, here's free cereal, I want to buy you an ice cream bar and hug your children, John Cena? Or is it John Cena of... Ruthless aggression. I didn't think I did too bad there. Try. I, I gave it a shot. I gave it a shot. Um, you know, John Cena's not coming back for a full-time run. And if you want my honest opinion, I think Roman Reigns should win that match. Um, because John Cena, and this is how I feel. Um, I'm, I would never be the type of guy to tell someone when their last match should be. But if you want my honest opinion, whether it's next year's WrestleMania or whenever it is, 
John Cena's last match should be against Randy Orton, and it should be for the world title. Randy Orton, see, that's the problem. Uh, there should, if Randy Orton has the title, that means that he would have had to have won it for a 17th time. So what would need to happen is there would be some type of screwery where the title is stripped, and you have Cena and Randy Orton fighting for the world title, and the winner will be the the uh, the the sole holder for the most world titles of all time. Because I, if I'm correct, John Cena and Randy Orton are both tied at 16. I think Ric Flair was 15, or or he's 16 as well. John Cena and Randy Orton are no stranger to each other. They've had every type of match you can. John Cena's last match would be against Randy Orton, preferably at WrestleMania, for the world title. Now, what happens there, that's up to you. Do you want John Cena to win and take the, the reins as the most world titles ever, and then have him drop it two, three months down the line, or even sooner than that? Or do you want Randy Orton to have that? That's up to you. Who wins that match doesn't matter. But as far as Cena and Roman goes, uh, I think Roman Reigns should win that match. Because that's just my honest opinion. There's no point in having John Cena come back to win the Universal title when he's probably not planning on sticking around for very long. So so what would be what would be the point there in that? I'm, I'd love to see it. But I'd love to see it, and I'd love to see it serious. Again, WWE gives us matches, or they do these things. They, they turned Roman Reigns heel five years too late. Okay, we got John Cena versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 34, and it was probably one of the worst matches I've ever seen in, in 15 years. Okay, you got, it was a squash. Cena came in, he was laughing and joking. Where is the John Cena that we all fell in love with? Granted, he's not a full-time performer. There's nothing wrong with having fun, because John Cena's always been the type of guy who likes to have fun. But it just seems like he's just goofy. Like, it's just an extra goofiness that takes away from his established Hall of Fame career, and it just, it's it's goofy. Like, he comes back to fight Baron Corbin a few years ago at SummerSlam. Like, what is it? It's just, I'm not understanding that. That's what I don't understand. But again, if you have Cena and Roman and you book it right, it could be fantastic. It could be fantastic. And hopefully it's much better than their first match because, again, that was another match where uh, WWE booked it and it was five, six years too late. Uh, granted, Roman Reigns uh, was not as monstrous in the early 2010s because that's when he was first starting to get called up. They debuted as The Shield with Ambrose and Rollins. But, you know, it's just... Eh. The marketability is beyond there, uh, but how they play their cards will be very interesting. That's a little scoop from SummerSlam so far, and we have some news about football. Everybody keeps asking me, what's your thoughts about Julio Jones signing with the Titans? Uh, then you have the negative naysayers. You have the people that are going to sit there and say, oh, well, Julio's getting older, and Julio gets injured a lot, and he's not what he was in Atlanta, and... Matt Ryan was a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill, and you guys are, are taking a big salary cap, and listen, I'm going to tell everybody else to say the same thing. You got a chance to get Julio Jones before he's washed up. You go and do it. Uh, the Titans, my Titans, we lost a lot this offseason. Uh, our defense was potentially one of the worst in the league last season. Not only was it that, uh, we lost a lot of guys. In the offseason, we lost, I believe we lost Dory Jackson. Uh, different guys have jumped ship. We lost Logan Ryan the year before. Malcolm Butler may have left. I, I completely forgot off the top of my head. 
Um, one of the things that is positive is Bud Dupree because that adds to a pass rush that was non-existent last season. We had Jadavion Clowney. He played nine games, failed to get a single sack, had a knee injury, and he was done. Vic Beasley, again, a couple of games, didn't give us anything. So the two guys that we gave shelled out money towards, we didn't get any type of production from. We signed Bud Dupree. Let Bud Dupree stay healthy. That's a very good improvement to your pass rush. The secondary is a problem. There's no, you know, you signed Jenkins. Okay, what is Janoris Jenkins? We're going to have to wait and see. Your, your secondary got annihilated from passes last year. I feel like every time I watch a Titans game, a quarterback was getting a deep pass. The secondary needs desperate help. The pass rush is headed in the right direction. The offense isn't the problem, but it could be. It may be less of a problem now that we signed Julio Jones, but if you really look at it, we lost our tight end. Furcher's okay, but he's not, you know, he's not getting 150 yards a game. We lost a good quarter or good receiver in Corey Davis. Now, granted, we more than made up for it. We still have A.J. Brown. We have the best running back in football. We have a fairly good quarterback. We have a good offensive line. The offense is not the issue with the Titans. It's defense. So as far as the Julio Jones trade goes, that's fantastic. We know A.J. Brown has, has been his funny antics and videos have have uh, have seemingly uh, garnered Julio's attention. And I think that that's great because Julio can be valuable in more ways than one for the Titans. You have Julio on the field, hopefully. Again, is he going to is he going to have eighteen hundred yards or two thousand receiving yards? I don't know if we're going to get that version of Julio, but I don't think Julio's ready to hang up the coat yet or hang up his jersey and give his badge away because I still think that Julio has some to give to the sport of football. And I think that he, if he stays healthy, he can have a, a, a very good few years on the Titans. And I'm looking forward to it. I've always liked Julio Jones. I think that he'll be a great mentor to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's young, and we know the, the potential that A.J. Brown has. He's young and upstart, but he's got great potential. We, we see that from a mile away. So you add the fact that Julio's one of the all-time greats. You have veteran leadership. The guy still has enough to give. That helps your offense. But the problem with this Titans team is on the defensive side of the ball. The pass rush has to improve. The secondary has to improve. Our linebackers are all right. Our defensive line is, is okay. The secondary is, is secondary such an underrated position in football. And we got to get it going. We got to get it going. Uh, but I'm, I'm beyond thrilled to have Julio Jones on the Titans. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him eat and have a, have a good, uh, you know, be a positive influence on not only the receiving core, but A.J. Brown as well and Tannehill. That Tannehill-Jones connection going to be a little special. Um, and one of the final topics we're going to get into today is the NBA playoffs. Uh, I try to, uh, in my recent podcast, as I try to just incorporate the NBA playoffs as like a little update thing because it gives everybody something to talk about. Now, um, we were pretty much almost just about in full swing of the second round here. And, um, for the most part, the second round has been pretty predictable. Um, but not necessarily predictable. You look at Milwaukee and Brooklyn, Milwaukee has been nowhere in this series. Um, a lot of people are clinging on to faith that the, the Bucks are going to have a, a good homestand in games three or four, but I'm, I'm not so sold on that. I think the Bucks will be fired up, and I think they get one at home, but I'm not sold because the Bucks were dominated in game one, practically no James Harden, 
Game two, they were not even dominated. They were annihilated. This game was over before the this game was over before it started. And again, no James Harden. Now I think the Nets personally, this may sound a little bit um crazy to some of you, but I think the Nets with KD and Kyrie are better than KD, Kyrie, and Harden. How can you have a team better when one of your best players isn't playing? Well, that's just what I think. I still think the Nets win this in five. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets got the sweep. Um, I, I give Giannis a lot of credit. The Bucks are a great team. But the Nets have surprised a lot of people on defense, too. They play better defense, and that's the thing that's interesting is because this Nets team primarily is, is known as an offensive juggernaut. They're not known for their defense. So for this Nets team to play the defense that they're playing, well, they won by 39. And they're up 2-0. Does this series come back to Brooklyn? I want to have faith in Milwaukee and say that it does, but I don't know that. It's it, We're going to see a lot. If, if Milwaukee comes out and lays an egg in Game 3, it's not coming back. If you can't win that first home game or at least have a, a nail-biter, and, and, and this Milwaukee team has to show us that they really can compete with this team, this Brooklyn Nets team, then I have no reason to believe that. I have no reason. I have no reason. Denver and Phoenix. You know what's funny is Denver was really holding their own in this game. I was pretty impressed with Denver. Now, we know Denver is a good team, but Phoenix, on paper, to me, is a much better team. Um, Jokic is going to do what he does. Nobody doubts that. This game was neck and neck till the very end, and Phoenix blew it out of the water. And you know what? Phoenix is going to win this series. That's just my opinion. That's a lot of people's opinion. That's not anything forsaken. I just think Phoenix wins this series because, A, they're a better team. And I think that when Phoenix goes on their runs, they don't look back. I don't really know what much else to say. That's only We're only one game in, so uh, that doesn't really say that much. I sound like a fucking zombie in this. I hate it. It's not like a zombie on my podcast today. Atlanta and Philly, that's been the interesting one because I don't think anybody in the world saw Atlanta coming out in game one and just mashing Philly. Granted, Philly went on a rally and they almost came back and won. But uh, Atlanta's a better team than I think a lot of us gave them credit for, especially Knicks fans. You know, Trey Young is great, uh, but the Atlanta team surrounding him is a good team. They're not ready to win a championship, and we all know this. Um, I think after game two yesterday, where the where the 76ers were neck and neck with Atlanta and then blew the gates open, I think that's where the momentum swings. I think Atlanta had their quick momentum in the first game, and now I think the momentum heavily swings towards Philly. Granted, the game's going to Atlanta, uh, so that, that could be a huge momentum shift. But this Hawks team has really held their own. Again, a late run by Philly is is uh, how they blew the gates open yesterday. But this Atlanta team has really held their own against the Sixers, so you have to commend them for that. Uh, do they win the series? Shouldn't. And then you got your other series, L.A. Clippers and Utah. Uh, Kawhi in clutch mode is one of the most dangerous men on the planet. Does he continue to stay in clutch mode? He didn't have the clutch mode game he had in the last series, but he had a decent game. When it came down to it, Utah won on a block three-point shot. Utah won by three. Utah's a much better team. They're a better defensive team. And I still have the Jazz winning the series. But I don't know. I don't think it's as easy to predict a winner of that series as you may think. But ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got for you today. 
Um, I hope that if you get your COVID shot like myself, you take the next day off just out of precaution. Just take it out of precaution. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening as always and continue to stay safe.